0: It was a dark and stormy night. You might have heard that phrase before. I remember when I was a teenager having to start stories, maybe even especially around this time of year, with that phrase. It was a dark and stormy night. I don't know about the physical storms the night that Jesus went to the garden with his disciples. It doesn't say anything about there being any physical storms. But there were certainly spiritual storms brewing. There were things that were going to happen that evening and in the days to come that would bring a lot of storms into people's lives, specifically as Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. As he went to the Mount of Olives, there was an internal storm brewing. The Mount of Olives obviously was known for its olive trees the garden of gethsemane some have translated to the garden of the wine press it was a place where jesus it tells us in luke 22 as we begin the story if you heard when it was read earlier that jesus went there often but it was a place where people would press the grapes to get the juice to make the wine It was a place where pressure was applied to this fruit so that it could be made into whatever. I said the wine, you have a wine press, you can have an olive press, whatever that may have been. Here was Jesus in the garden of an olive press. And it was in that time that the pressure of the world The pressure of the sins of the world, the pressure of what was going to happen in the next day began to weigh upon him, began to press him. And he comes to the garden. He comes with a few of his disciples. And in that difficult time, as we started out the the service this morning, thinking about what do we do in those difficult moments? In that difficult time, Jesus went to the Father. Jesus went before him in prayer. And maybe this morning, as we study together, we're going to look at some things about the prayer of Jesus, some things about prayer in general, and what this passage in Luke 22 tells us. As Jesus was feeling the pressure of the world, he goes to the garden. Listen to what Luke chapter 22 and verse 39 says. And he came out... And he proceeded, notice this next phrase, as was his custom to the garden. You know, it's interesting to me that when we go to a garden or when we go to the woods or when we go somewhere like this, we go for serenity, we go for us to be able to relax. Jesus tried this on many occasions, and many occasions it failed. It wasn't always a beautiful time. It was a dark, for this time, it was a dark and stormy night. It was a lot of things that were around him. But earlier in his life, when he was baptized, he immediately went to the wilderness. And we might think, at least for me, you think that, that might be a, a nice retreat. But who was it that met him there? Satan met him there and tempted him. There were times he would go into the mountains to pray and the people would find him there and press in around him again. There were times when he was on the boat trying to sleep and his disciples came and they woke him up. There wasn't much rest for Jesus. And here he comes to a garden that was his normal place to go. It was a place where it says was his custom. He's been here before. He's met with the Father before. And when he comes here this time, however, it's not a time of relaxation. It's going to be a time of difficulty. He's going to the Father. Starting at this moment, he would wrestle with the Father in prayer, as one of the songs we sang indicated. He would be betrayed in the garden. He would be arrested in the garden. He would be abandoned in the garden. And it would start the hardest day of his life. But it's in the garden during that time, during this moment in Luke chapter 22, that we learn all about prayer. We learn a lot of things, maybe not everything that we need to know about prayer, but we learn a lot of things about prayer here in Luke chapter 22. I want you to notice them with me. As was his custom, he went to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. Verse 40. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Here's the first thing we learn about prayer, is prayer is personal. Prayer is a personal thing that we all have to do. Jesus didn't say, stay here and pray for me. He says, I want you to stay here and I want you to pray for yourself that you do not enter into temptation. Jesus is going to go pray for Jesus. Jesus tells them, you pray for you. You make sure that you don't enter into temptation. And when Jesus was going to the garden, this was a place he normally went. This is a place that was his custom to go. He had a place where prayer was very personal for him. I'll be completely transparent at this point. I struggle to find that place for me, but I want to. And I want you to. I think as the Lord's people, we need to have a personal place of prayer. It doesn't have to necessarily be a physical place, but a a personal time of prayer. A place where we know, a time that we know that we go to Him each day. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that's why Jesus knew Nathanael in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 48, when Philip brings Nathanael to him, he's surprised, and yet it's also what brings him to believe in Jesus. When Jesus looked at him and said, Nathanael, before Philip called you, while you were under the fig tree, I knew you. How did Jesus know him? What was Jesus talking about? And why did it mean so much to Nathanael? Why did all of a sudden he say, I believe in you? Just simply because Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. I think the fig tree was common in that day. But I kind of tend to lean toward the fact that the fig tree was Nathanael's place to meet God. It was the place where he went and spent that time with him. And here is Jesus coming to a place that he spent time with God. It was a personal thing. We pray together in services. We pray together in classes. We pray together in in a group on on Sunday afternoon and in other times we pray. But what about you? What about your personal prayer? Do you make it, do you make the time and do you make the place to come before him? Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Hold your place in Luke 22 and go with me to Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. Way back in the beginning of Jesus' ministry on the, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, another little hill, another little mountain that he happened to be on, he talks about prayer there as well, and you know about it, don't you? You know about the prayer that he offered up and and taught us how to pray before God. But before he does that, in verses five through seven, he says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door and pray to the Father who is in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It is about personal time with God. It's not about being seen. It's not about other people seeing how holy you are, how righteous you are. It's about you communing with God. It is a personal thing. And he says, I want you to pray for you so that you don't enter into temptation. And at the beginning of his ministry, he told them, look, pray, go off by yourself somewhere and pray, make it Personal. Go back to Luke chapter 22 for a moment. In Luke chapter 22 in verse 41, then it says, he withdrew himself about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray. Prayer is humbling. It's not just personal. It's a humbling thing. He knelt. It's simple, but it's profound. Let me ask you a question, just internal sake. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to to respond necessarily in any way except in your heart. When's the last time that you knelt before God? When's the last time that you laid on your face before God? Some of you, it might not have been long. Others, of us, it might have been a while. Jesus went to the garden and he knelt. He humbled himself. Before God. Again, this isn't about show. This is about humbling your heart to him. There be anything wrong with us kneeling in prayer? Absolutely not. Some of you might say, I'd have trouble getting up if I knelt in prayer. It's okay. But what about kneeling before him? What about not just in our physical kneeling, but, but in our hearts? How many of us have really knelt in prayer, even in our hearts? I think sometimes when we do something physically, our hearts sometimes follow. Is there anything wrong with expressing yourself in that way? Not at all. And for us to look at somebody who does that and say, I can't believe that they knelt. I can't believe that they extended their hands to God. Be careful, preacher. Right? Right? I'm coming before him, my heart before him. I'm coming to him in such a way that says, I believe in you and I believe what you're capable of doing and I believe that you can make a difference and I believe that you're my father and I believe that you can take care of the problems that I have and I'm personally humbling myself. Now, you come a little later and Jesus is gonna use the phrase what? Not my will, but whose?" But yours, thine, not my will, but your will be done. That's a humbling posture. Jesus comes before the Father in a humbling way. He says, look, prayer is a personal thing, and prayer is a humbling thing. He knelt down before him. I would encourage you at some point to somehow come before God in that humbling way. If you can't kneel, then maybe when you lay in your bed at night, you lay down with your face before God, and you pray to him. We all need to be humbled and we need to all see that way that it's personal and it's humbling and it brings us before him. And it also is one of those things that's very transparent. Prayer is transparency with God. You see, notice what the next thing that Jesus says to him is. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus is not afraid to ask God for what he needs, what he desired, what he wanted. Jesus knew when he left. John 3, 16 tells us, for God so what? loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus was sent to the earth, He knew he came to bring everlasting life. When Jesus was sent to the earth, he knew he would have to go to the cross and die. He'd been talking about it through his whole ministry. I'm not gonna be with you forever. I'm not gonna be able to stay here forever. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house and many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you i go to what? Prepare a place for you. He just told them that a few chapters before. But when he came to the garden in full transparency before God, he said, let this cup pass from me. He knew the difficulty of it. He knew what it was going to feel like. He knew the pain of it. And yet, he reveals that to God And the next statement, yet not my will, but yours. See, Jesus taught us way back again in Luke chapter 11 that when we pray, we ask God for what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. All those are requests of God, requesting him of what we need. And then he talks about keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking. He says, when you come to God, you ask, you seek, you knock. He's saying, be transparent with God. Here's what I need, God. Here's what I want, God. What I desire, God. Here's what I think is best, God, but not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes we simply need to come before him and understand that it's not about me. The older I get, the more that I feel as though prayer doesn't always change the script. I've prayed for things that didn't happen. I've prayed for things that did. But the older I get, I realize it it doesn't necessarily change the script, but what it does is it often changes our hearts to accept the script. There may be things that God goes, look, in, in, in my infinite wisdom and the way that all these things work, I can't change this. This isn't what is best for you and for your family and for the society and for all of these other things. This is not what I can do at the moment. But when we pray to him over and over and over, our heart begins to tune with his. Just like you, you tune a guitar, or you tune some other instrument to sound right, God's tuning our hearts to be lined up with his. That's what he did with, with Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I prayed three times. That, that this thorn would, would be done away, this thorn in the flesh would be taken away, and yet God said, my strength is perfected in your weakness. What you're asking, you don't realize, doesn't fit the picture. And so he told him no. And when Jesus comes, he says, God, can you just let this cup pass from me? There's going to be pain, and there's going to be sorrow, and there's going to be hurt, and there's going to be difficulty, and I don't know what I'm going to do with these things. And the answer to his own son was no. But because Jesus had prayed and had connected with him in such a way that says, not my will but yours, Jesus went to the cross. How many of us have been able to pray, not my will but yours, and accept what that answer is? Maybe there was a, they knew what was coming. They did know what was coming. But maybe it's not any coincidence that the next verse, verse 43, says this. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. In the moment that he says, not my will, but yours be done, an angel appears. See, prayer brings comfort. Prayer is comforting. It helps us to, to accept what's coming. An angel appeared strengthening him, and when, I'm, I, when I pray, I'm confident that God does the same for me. And I don't see the angel. I don't hear the angel. I don't know about the angel's presence, but it does seem as though there's a spiritual world we don't often know about. There's a story found in 2 Kings chapter 6, and verse 16. You remember when Elisha's servant walks outside and he sees all of the army of Aram and he's looking around and he's thinking, what in the world are we gonna do? And he goes back in, he rushes back into Elisha and he says, I don't know what to do about this. There's a great army surrounding us. What are we going to do? And the famous phrase in 2 Kings 6 and verse 16, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant's eyes were opened up, and he saw the great army of God surrounding them. I'm confident that God still has an army. I'm confident that God still answers prayers. I'm confident that there's still things that are are being done in the spiritual world that we don't see. But what I also know is that God uses his army here as well. Have you ever had those moments where you're praying and you're struggling and you don't really know what you need to do and you get that phone call from somebody that lifts you up? You get that card from someone just at the right time. You get a visit at just the right moment. You hear a lesson somewhere that touches your heart. You read something even on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or somewhere else that, that, that boosts you. You go, man, I needed that right then. See, God still comforts us through his army. It may be his church, and it may be those spiritual things that we just can't see, but there's still comfort when we come before God in prayer. But it doesn't take away this part. Look at verse 44. It doesn't take away this. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. All right, follow me for just a moment here with Luke. He says, not my will, but yours be done. The next phrase, he says, he sends an angel to comfort him. And then the next phrase is the hardest passage of Luke 22. The next phrase is that Jesus on his knees is so concerned, distressed, that he begins to sweat as though he is bleeding, and some people even think maybe he was bleeding. That it's possible in those moments of stress for even those blood vessels, those capillaries to burst, and for you to bleed as you sweat. The the most difficult passage, the most difficult phrase of this whole story comes after he says the angel was sent to comfort him. The angel got there just in time because he's about to go through the most difficult part of this. He is weeping, he is sweating, he is struggling, he is wrestling with what's about to happen. Prayer's work. Prayer's work. It was work for Jesus. I've never prayed with that intensity. I would dare say that any of us have ever prayed with that intensity, but maybe you have. Maybe we should. Maybe that should be the way that we come before God. Because see, for, for Jesus, it was life and death. For Jesus, this was pain and suffering and sorrow that, was going to, that he was going to struggle with. It was important work that was being done he hadn't gone to the cross yet but he was bleeding and he was suffering and he was struggling prayer was work but it was important work how many times do we work late hours trying to solve our own problems our own issues But we never take it to God. How many times do we labor alone with God? Asking Him what we need. Begging of Him what we need. Go back to Luke chapter 11. You remember Luke chapter 11? It's this story of prayer. It's this prayer before the Father And then he says in verse five, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. He teaches us to be persistent in prayer, work at it. And yes, that persistence oftentimes lines our hearts up with him. That's why it's work, because we're not ready for it sometimes. We're not ready for exactly what we've got to go through. Jesus was in the garden because in some ways he wasn't quite ready yet to go to the cross. But that pressing of the olives that pressing of Jesus in the garden. It prepared him because he humbled himself, because he tuned his heart up with God. And that took work. You remember Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 when she went and she knelt at the temple and she prayed to the point she was working so hard in her prayers that Eli thought she was drunk. And she said, no, no, no. I was simply pouring out my heart to the Lord. So today, dark times come. Today, difficult times happen. Today is about needing God, needing a God who will help us through the dark times. And I know a God that loves And I know a God that cares, and I know a God that listens. I know a God that answers you when you pray. And what I know, what I know without a doubt, we sometimes go, I don't understand, I don't know the will of God. I'm not sure that I understand the will of God. And by the way, if you look at the end of that verse, verse 45, when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And sometimes we end there, like, how could they be sleeping? Did you notice the next two words? They were sleeping from what? Sorrow. They were struggling too. And Jesus says, well, why didn't you stay awake? Why didn't you stay awake and pray that you don't enter into temptation? But we sometimes give them a bad rap and say they just didn't care. They were they were sleeping. They were so upset. That's odd for us to even think about. So upset that they slept, but it can happen. They wept to themselves to sleep. But when we come to Him, we know a God. The one thing I know absolutely in His will is that He wants you to be saved. He was pressed in the garden and he was crucified at Golgotha so that you could be saved. And I've prayed this morning and I know there's other people who've prayed this morning that if you're not right with God that today would be the day that you make it right with God. Maybe it's because you've wandered away from him and you need to come back home. Maybe it's because you've never come to him in full belief, been buried in baptism with him to be raised up like he would be raised up just a few days later after going to the cross. What I absolutely know about God's will is that he wants you to be saved. And this morning, you can bow to that will. You can humbly come before him. And I promise you, you will find rest and you will find salvation. This morning, if we can encourage you and help you in any way, they want you come as we stand and as we sing